You're tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The following program is a rebroadcast of Miracle Hunter with Michael O'Neill. Welcome to The Miracle Hunter, where it doesn't matter if you're a believer or a skeptic, it's always worth the hunt. My name is Michael O'Neill. I am The Miracle Hunter and the creator of the website, MiracleHunter.com. I'll be your host for the next hour as we continue our weekly exploration of the world of miracles. I think you'll find today's program topic pretty fascinating. We're going to be talking today about visions in the Middle East. Now, 36 years ago, tomorrow, on April 2nd, 1968, an alleged miracle began that was witnessed probably by more people than any other in modern history. Uh, there was this alleged vision of a figure in white, thought by many to be the Virgin Mary, seen hovering above St. Mark's Coptic Church in Egypt, and that spanned about three years. It was witnessed by millions of people, Christians, Muslims, Jews, and atheists. The event was photographed and filmed and even broadcast live on Egyptian television. This phenomenon has been claimed to have been repeated over the years, but now we have a new series of visions to report on. There have been reports that Jesus is appearing to Muslims in the Middle East and inspiring them to convert. Today we'll be speaking with author Tom Doyle, who covers the phenomena in his book, Dreams and Visions, Is Jesus Awakening the Muslim World? And of course, in just a bit, we'll be asking you a Catholic trivia question, so get your pens and paper ready. Later in the show, we'll be talking about how Our Lady is honored around the world on today, April 1st, in our segment, 365 Days with Mary. More information on this project can be found at 365dayswithmary.com or on Facebook, 365 Days with Mary. Now, this week in Miracle News, we have the story coming from the Spanish city of León, where crowds are flocking uh, to a basilica where the Holy Grail has allegedly been identified, uh, according to two historians. The mythical object, uh, object of countless quests in literature and art, uh, has been claimed to actually been lying for nearly a millennium in a basilica in the northwest Spanish city of León. Curators were forced to remove a precious cup from display in a Spanish church when the crowds began to swarm there after these historians announced that it was the Holy Grail. Uh, visitors flocked to the San Isidro Basilica in northwestern Spain in Lyon after two historians published a book saying that the ancient goblet was the mythical chalice from which Christ sipped at the Last Supper. It was in a very small room where it was not possible to admire it to the full, the curator told the AFP. Now, it's made of agate, uh, gold, onyx, and it's got precious stones encrusted around it. But this, this sacred object in Leon is formed by two goblets joined together, with one turned up and the other turned down. Now, it's been known until now as the goblet Infanta Doña Uraca, uh, that was the daughter of Fernando I. 
She's the one who is said to have owned it, and he was the king of Lyon from 1037 to 1065. The two historians, uh, Lyon University medieval history lecturer Margarita Torres and art historian Jose Manuel Ortega del Rio, identified it as the Grail in their book, and the book's entitled Kings of the Grail, and that was just published last week. They said that there were two Egyptian parchments that they found in 2011 at Cairo University's Al-Azhar uh, that set them on a three-year investigation. Their studies led them to identify the upper part of the princess's goblet made of agate and forming a fragment, as described in the parchments, as the grail. And that, of course, is one of the most prized relics in all of Christianity. It was offered to Fernando, a powerful Spanish king, as a peace offering by the emir of a kingdom in the Muslim part of Spain at that time, Torres says. In Europe alone, there are probably about 200 supposed holy grails, and that's the, according to the book uh, by the Spanish researchers. And they attempted to debunk the authenticity of many of the better-known candidates in their book before arriving on that choice. So for more information on the finding of the supposed Holy Grail, you can visit MiracleHunter.com for more details on that story. And to keep up to date with the latest Miracle News, please visit MiracleHunter.com and sign up for our newsletter. You'll receive a monthly email with the latest Miracle Hunter news, including reports on the latest miracles and news stories, links to past radio show podcasts, updates on my television series, Miracle Hunters, now in development, and my book, Hunting for a Miracle, due out in fall 2014, any upcoming speaking engagements, and much, much more. So sign up for the newsletter on MiracleHunter.com by clicking the newsletter link at the bottom of the page. Now let's look at our question of the week. Each week we select from the many emails that we get, and let's open up the mailbag again, or the email inbox, as it were, to take a look at a question from this week. This question goes, Dear Miracle Hunter, I have Matthew Kelly's books, and I like them, but I heard that he claimed visions, and his local bishop censured him. Is this true? God bless Tony. Well, thanks, Tony, for your question. It's Actually, a bit of a confusing situation. Matthew Kelly is a well-known, dynamic, motivational speaker and a popular author who is famous for his encouraging phrase, be the best version of yourself. But uh, he, in the 1990s, he was actually claiming to be receiving messages from God the Father, and in his talks he was alluding to this fact, or at least promoting the messages. But he was discouraged from including them later in his ministry. So here's a statement from the Archdiocese of Sydney Media Office. Quote, Matthew Kelly was a resident of the Archdiocese of Sydney until 1995 when he commended, commenced theology studies in the United States. At no time has there been any investigation by the Archdiocese, formal or informal, of claims that he has had any mystical or supernatural experiences or that the writings he has published arise from any private revelation the Archdiocese has not encouraged or discouraged this layman in his work of evangelization. While no endorsement of any apparitions is implied, Matthew is well-known and respected. He is a person of good standing and conveys a message of loyalty to and love for the Church. So that was the quote from the Archdiocese of Sydney. Um, one positive takeaway from this is that he apparently was very obedient to his local bishop uh, once he was asked to not promote those messages. 
and he continues to serve the Church very well with his speaking ministry. So thanks, Tony, for your excellent question. If you have a question for the Miracle Hunter, please email questions at miraclehunter.com, and each week we'll select one question to be read on the air. Now it's time for Catholic Pub Trivia. Each week I'll be asking a trivia question and giving out a prize for a caller that gets the right answer. This week we'll be giving away a framed image of a piece of artwork entitled The Faces of Mary. It is a photo mosaic of over 100 images of Our Lady that forms a large, beautiful picture of the Madonna and Child. Trivia questions are generously provided by Catholic Pub Trivia. It's an organization that partners with Catholic parishes, schools, or religious organizations to host Trivia Night fundraisers at local establishments. For more information on Catholic Pub Trivia, or to organize an event in your area, please visit catholicpubtrivia.com. And we always try to keep the questions related to the theme of the day's program. Today we are talking about visions in the Middle East, so here's the question. After having a dream or vision, Joseph takes Mary and the child Jesus to Egypt. What is the only gospel that records this flight into Egypt? Again, that question, after having a dream or vision, Joseph takes Mary and the child Jesus to Egypt. What is the only gospel that records this flight into Egypt? For more information on Catholic Pub Trivia or to organize an event in your area, please visit catholicpubtrivia.com. For those just joining the program, this is Michael O'Neill. You are listening to the Miracle Hunter Radio Show. And for more information on the program or my research on miracles, please visit miraclehunter.com. Each week, we will be doing a segment entitled 365 Days with Mary. And for each and every day of the year, uh, somewhere in the world, there's a Marian title, feast, or commemoration of an apparition or other miraculous event being celebrated. It never ceases to amaze me how much the world loves the Mother of God and honors her throughout the year. All the dates with their feasts are collected into one resource. Uh, that's called 365 Days with Mary. Each entry features images, description, and a history of the feast day, along with the information on the shrines associated with them, including visitor information and links for those with wishing to see those places. This project's available in print in the form of a daily engagement calendar, daily planner, as well as online at 365dayswithmary.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, where if you like us, you can automatically receive information about each feast day and learn more about our Blessed Mother and how she is honored around the world. So be sure to like 365 Days with Mary on Facebook and visit the website 365dayswithmary.com to see the project. The print version in the form of a daily organizer makes a great gift for anyone with a devotion to Our Lady. Now, I'm being told that we have a caller on the line with the answer to the trivia question. Uh, welcome to the show, Noel. Um, the answer to the question is the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 18, when they had gone, and an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And it goes on about their exodus to Egypt. Okay, well, thank you, Noel, for calling in, and we'll uh, send you a prize uh, for calling in. Thank you, appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. So that was Noel with the answer to the Catholic Pub Trivia question. More information on Catholic Pub Trivia can be found at catholicpubtrivia.com. 
So we'll resume with uh, 365 Days with Mary. Uh, today's commemoration is the icon of the Mother of God of Smolensk, the sweet kissing icon from Smolensk, Russia. The Smolensk tenderness icon of the Mother of God uh, manifested itself in the year 1103 at Smolensk in Russia. Now, there's another Smolensk tenderness icon from the vicinity of Okopa, which is very near uh, to Smolensk. This icon was in the encampment of the Russian armies of the military commander, Shayin, restraining the Polish besiegers from destroying Smolensk for 20 months in the years 1611 to 1613. And that's today's feast, the icon of the Mother of God of Smolensk, the sweet kissing. Be sure to visit the project 365 Days with Mary on Facebook and online at 365dayswithmary.com to find out more about the Smolensk icon or any of the others of the hundreds of Marian devotions celebrated around the world. Now, sometimes when I read the Bible, I think, if there were only more miracles today, like in the times of Christ, they could be recorded with modern technology and put on YouTube for the world to see. And we'd have a heck of a lot more believers if we could only record one of these great miracles. Well, tomorrow's commemoration is that of Our Lady of Zaytun, or Our Lady of Light, as she is also known. Now, this is a case of a miracle seen by millions and recorded on live television. On April 2nd, 1968, people noticed a white light in the shape of a virgin, veiled figure, over St. Mary's Coptic Church in the Zaytun district of Cairo. Traffic stopped. Onlookers shouted, Look, the Virgin Mary, and it was an identification that was confirmed when the figure turned to kneel before the cross. For the next three years, hundreds of thousands saw the silent apparition in person, which lasted up to nine hours at a time, and it was often accompanied by purple incense and smaller white lights resembling doves floating around. Although the black-and-white photographs that you can see on the Internet today and the, the film that's available today all show a faceless blob, uh, the witnesses reported that her features were very clear. Now, both Christians and Muslims, including Pre- President Abdul Nasser, watched the various poses and movements of the form above the Church. But there were other apparitions, too, some bringing healings, some inside the Church, and some in believers' dreams. Police and Coptic Church officials investigated the phenomena and even turned off all the lights of the city, and that light on top of the church still remained. Anba Kyrillos VI, the Pope of Alexandria, he delegated a commission of priests to research and investigate the phenomenon, and they stayed there for several nights inquiring and investigating until they saw with their own, their own eyes what they believed to be the Blessed Virgin's apparition in the full form, floating with uh, floating on the doves and blessing the multitudes in front of the Church. His official statement was, the Blessed Virgin Mary has appealed, appeared several times on the Coptic Orthodox Church, named after her at Zaytun in Cairo. And they found no evidence of trickery. The Coptic Orthodox built a cathedral across the street from St. Mary's, and the Roman Catholic Cardinal Stephanos, he performed an investigation and submitted his findings to Pope Paul VI, which agreed with the Coptic analysis. 
This phenomenon has allegedly been repeated several times in history, um, albeit on a less dramatic scale and, and less uh, less witnessed by many people. So we have several of these. One happened in Edfu in Egypt in 1982, another one in Shubra, Egypt in 1986, Shantana al-Hagar in Egypt 1997, Asuit, Egypt in 2000, and more recently in Warak el-Hadar in Egypt in 2009. Now, there's been some attempts to debunk these and to say that they're reflections of light, but uh, at least the one in 1968 uh, seems pretty convincing. These visions are hard to discern since they contain no messages and their purpose is unclear. Whatever the vision was, it was seen by an incredible number of people. A new phenomenon importing, re, involving reported visions of Christ is now making news in the Middle East, and it's thanks to a new book by Tom Doyle entitled Dreams and Visions is Jesus Awakening in the Muslim World. And that's a book uh, written by uh, Tom. He was a pastor for 20 years in Texas, Colorado, and New Mexico before going to the Middle East to serve as a missionary. He currently serves as the Middle East Central Asia Director for E3 Partners Ministry. He is the author of Dreams and Visions, Is Jesus Awakening the Muslim World? I'd like to welcome to the show today, Tom Doyle. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. And uh, your, your book is, is very exciting, a very interesting topic, of course, um, and I think that's, it, it has global implications. And uh, I'd like to hear a little bit about your background, how you got started in the first place in spending time in the Middle East. Sure. Well, thank you. You know, I, I went on an Israel Bible tour in 1995. I was asked by the seminary that I had attended uh, to go on a Bible tour, and, and I, was, I was really busy. I mean, we, we have six kids and our church was busy, and I, I didn't think I could go for 12 days, but at the last minute, I felt like I need to go, and and it changed everything for me, going to the Middle East. Uh, first of all, I was just able to see the Bible in high definition, to, to, mm-hmm. to actually go to those places where Jesus was, the apostles, you know, David, Abraham, and see that. That was life-changing for me, and then... Um, I started going back, but along the way, I I fell in love with the people, and I think God just gave me a, a heart to work with the people. And I'm I'm sure you run into this, Michael, where some people have a, a heart to work with homeless people or to work yeah. in certain areas. I God never gave me that; He gave me a a real heart for people of the Middle East, whether they were Jews or Muslims or or whatever. And along the way, after just making lots of journeys there and starting to get involved in missions, we began to hear these stories about Muslims having dreams about Jesus. And honestly, at first, I, I didn't believe them. Oh, it sure. Sounded, <laughs> it sounded too good to be true, uh, but but they were approaching us. And, and then we started to hear about how they were risking their lives, you know, leaving the religion and becoming a Jesus follower in that neck of the woods, sure. and 
to hear them say that they were ready to die for Jesus, uh, that was sobering to me. And I thought, oh, would we love to have committed believers like that in our churches here in America? That Absolutely. Are can that you, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what these people were saying to you when they approached you? What were the, can you describe some of the experiences yeah. that they were claiming? Yeah, you know, I think, Michael, um, here in America, we, you know, if you say to some, if I'd say to you, hey, Michael, I had this dream last night, you might say, boy, what did you eat for dinner? You know, <laughs> it's a reaction to sure. bad Mexican food or something, you know, you yeah. kind of think that. In the Middle East, this is the land of the dreams. If you go back to the beginning of the Bible, dreams were a way for God to communicate some kind of truth, some kind of revelation. Um, we see that with Joseph and, you know, in Egypt and Daniel and, and what he went through. And so that happens in the Bible over a couple hundred times. We mm-hmm. see that people had dreams or visions. And so Muslims would seek out Christians because they would have these dreams that, that they could not shake, uh, that, that they remembered in depth. I, I met a woman that was from Saudi Arabia, and she remembered a dream from 40 years ago, mm. exactly what happened, what Jesus was wearing. He was in white. He walked with me with, my ar- with his arm around me. We walked around a lake. She knew the dream in detail. It's not something that's kind of fuzzy and, what was that about? And you wake up and forget the next day. Mm-hmm. Couldn't shake it. What does this mean? So then the interesting thing, Michael, is... Um, in the religion of Islam, Jesus is in their system. They sure. see him as a prophet. It's, it's not a, he's not a negative. They certainly don't view him as we do. But mm-hmm. yet, Muhammad said some very good things about Jesus and honored him, and so they want to know more. And then, as we get them into God's Word to let them read, um, things start to cement. But we're, we're talking some people that have had dreams 30 nights in a row. Wow, and and they were just bursting with energy to see a Christian and and say, well, well what does this mean? Why is this happening? So that is, that's, that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And for those just joining the program, you're listening to the Miracle Hunter Radio Show. We're talking with Tom Doyle, author of Dreams and Visions: Is Jesus Awakening the Muslim World? Now that that's uh, fascinating stuff, Tom. I uh, I imagine that. One of the, the huge problems is that people have these dreams and they don't know what to do with it, given the environment they're living in at the, at the time. I mean, how what can mm-hmm. they what can they do to convert? What can they do in that environment right. once they have the dream? Right. I mean, if they're in a very strict Sharia law Muslim country, they're going to be afraid to reach out. Many of them get on computers and start searching on Christian sites. I have a friend, Michael, in Canada that did a website. And this, it was just simply put, are you a Muslim? Have you had dreams about Jesus? Wow. That's, that was it. You know how many people responded to that? 700,000 from Whoa. around the world. Okay. So, so when I think about the beginning of the Church for 2,000 years, as I read through Church history, I don't see a time where there was such an onslaught of one-fifth of the globe to to you know, have an introductory lesson to who Jesus is. And and when you think about that, because we could easily say from any Christian faith, well, don't they just need the Bible? Can't, can't mm-hmm. we just give them a Bible? And that would be great. But yet, on the other hand, in the world of Islam, worldwide, 60% of them 
are illiterate because mm. the majority of Muslims live in small villages and small cities across Egypt, North Africa, all you know, Central Asia. They don't read. Well, how is that going to help them? So, you know, we know this. Jesus said in Matthew 16, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. What, what, nothing is going to stop the progress of him bringing his love to people that need to know about it. So what, whether we're involved in it or not, he promises that he would build his church, that we get the message there. And so I think this is just a, a wake-up call, a shake-up for them. Then they're motivated to figure out what it is, what's happening. We wrote this in Dreams and Visions, 25 real stories. This is mm-hmm. not fiction. These are real stories. But we and how did, you, how did you select these 25 stories? Yeah. What, uh, Most, what, what made you yeah. choose th- th- that selection? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Most of these people we know personally mm-hmm. and got their stories personally. Mm-hmm. Um, one woman that came to faith in Christ in Saudi Arabia on the Internet that actually was martyred for her faith because her brother found her computer, what she was looking at killed her later. We're not oh. sure that she ever assembled with Jesus followers anywhere in Saudi Arabia. We think that all happened on the Internet for her wow. online because it was so dangerous there. So apart from from her, uh, we, we know um, all of them and have worked with them, and they just told us, their stories and said, this is what happened in detail. This is what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Pretty phenomenal. Pretty phenomenal. When, 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 like a friend of mine that is in Afghanistan meets a Muslim man that is staring at him and he's thinking, what is, what is this about? And this man says, uh-huh. you've, he's dressed like a Taliban. He says, you need to come to my house. Well, I don't think so. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And he said, right. no, 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 my wife and my children, they have to meet you please come to my house. And this man feels the Spirit of God says, go. And he goes, and the man sits down and says, why are you in my country? And he just kind of says something very generically. We love the people. No, 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 no. Why are you in my country? And he says, well, why does it matter to you? And he says, it matters because I had another dream about Jesus last night. (laughs) And Jesus said, you'll meet my friend tomorrow. And there you were. You were wearing that shirt, those pants, and Jesus said, you had a message for me. What, what is that message? Wow. wow. I mean, <laughs> what an opening question, right? Sure. No, that, that's incredible. And uh, what, would you, what would you say, um, was, there, was there a similarity, a synchronicity in, in the reports of these various people of how they described Jesus, either in yeah. his look or the way that he addressed them? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a very perceptive question. Um, Many of them, the majority, said that he was in white, he had long hair, long beard, but identified himself as, I am Jesus, I love you, I died on the cross for you. He, he tells them what the message is, but yet they felt safe. So, Michael, when you think about Muslim women that, you know, maybe live in Saudi Arabia or Yemen, and they... They literally have no rights. They're just property of the husband. They would describe to us that this was the first time they'd ever been around a man that they felt completely safe and secure. In this dream, there was something about this Jesus. Why did I feel so secure? What is that about? So um, they were very vivid. They couldn't shake them. But Jesus typically 
was in a white robe and identified himself as Jesus. In fact, they ran an article in Cairo, and uh, it was only in for a couple of days because they pulled it out. There was so much conflict. But in the newspaper, someone paid for an ad with a phone number that said this, have you had it? The, the man in the white robe has a message for you. The man in mm. your dreams in a white robe has a message for you. Call this number. Did thousands of people that called say, why am I having these dreams about Jesus? I'm a Muslim. Absolutely. Uh, that, <laughs> incredible stuff. And uh, for those joining the program, you're listening to the Miracle Hunter radio show. We're talking with Tom Doyle, author of Dreams and Visions, Is Jesus Awakening the Muslim World? Um, Tom, that, that's fascinating stuff. And what's the, so what's the next step here? Uh, you ha- we have all these uh, Muslims experiencing visions, and what's, what's, the, what's the obstacle uh, now yeah. for spread, spreading Christianity uh, throughout the Muslim world? Well, you know, I think it depends on where they live um, and how fundamental their family is. If their family is very fundamental, then they, if it gets out that they have made a commitment to, to follow Jesus, then they could be killed. Uh, and that can easily happen in the family uh, just because they would feel like they're doing a duty to God. They're an infidel. We have to kill them. In, in the Middle East, it's all about shame and honor. So if there's a shame, you, you, you get rid of it, you know, and, and so that could happen. So, but in some cases, uh, these new Jesus followers, these new Christians have gone to the family and told them, and God used that, and the family was reached for Christ. In other cases, they had to leave. So um, it just really depends on what happens. There's a high rate of persecution around the world. Uh, right now, uh, in Muslim countries, Islam is involved in 58 wars. Christians are being killed in all countries. Voice of the Martyr said, is a Christian killed um, every five minutes globally? And, you know, we, we have, Michael, and you know this, we have all different stripes of Christianity. Let me just tell you sure. this. Nobody asks if you're Catholic or Evangelical or Presbyterian. or Nobody cares. Sure. Mm-hmm. That you, are, you are a Jesus follower. You have a cross. You're a Christian, you're the enemy, you're the infidel. And so sure. as a result of it, the camaraderie together is much tighter. There's not as there's not uh, as much maybe division as we would see in Amer- America. You know, you love Jesus, you want to follow him. You're my brother. Let's, you know, we need to walk together. It's It's refreshing to see that. It's very costly for them. And so sure. um, even in their family, they would consider that uh, important to kill them. So the question is, do they tell people or do they not? Do they meet right. in an underground church? And many of them are meeting in an underground church. And so when, when we think about this in 1979, when the Ayatollah took over Iran and it became the Islamic Republic of Iran, Sharia law, the whole bit, women have to be mm-hmm. covered, everybody, the Ayatollah said, we will wipe out the church. There'll never be two religions in Iran. We'll squash the church. And, and you know from our church history, when, when a, a people group or a religion or whatever tries to squash, annihilate the church, we grow. Mm-hmm. We, we grow through persecution. It's, it just happens all throughout our history. Today, since 1979, and back then they thought maybe a thousand believers 
Christians mm-hmm. in Iran, it was a dangerous place, got worse. Mm-hmm. What's happened today, uh, mission researchers say that Iran is the fastest-growing church per capita in the world now. Oh, wow. One to two million Christians, people that are following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, persecution is, is a reality, but it's a failed initiative. It doesn't work. It causes the spread of the gospel, not not the end of it. That is amazing. And you, you mentioned uh, sort of the impulse to practice Christianity in private, of course, mm-hmm. because of the consequences of it being public. And I think you have something in your book uh, where you talk about uh, a woman who's locked in her bathroom uh, yeah. practicing her faith. Can you can you tell uh, the audience a little bit of the snippet yes. of that? I, I mean, if, yeah, thank you. I, I, I think if we would pick a, probably the most dangerous city in the world to be a Christian in, it would be Mecca, Saudi Arabia. Nobody is allowed in there unless they are Muslim. So here's a woman that is hearing on the radio. She's having Jesus dreams. She's also hearing uh, about Jesus. There's some radio signals that get in, and she would go into her bathroom and put a small transistor radio behind a pillow and listen to some Bible teaching. Mm -hmm. Because even to get a Bible, where would she get one in Mecca, Saudi Arabia? She would listen on the radio, and she wanted to get the message out and wasn't sure. Um, is and so she asked, "Is is it okay to worship Jesus in in my bathroom? That's mm. the only place that's safe." She did in her house; she'd be killed. But you know, the interesting thing, Michael, is this: there are some telltale signs uh, when someone becomes a Christian. Jesus said, "They will know you by your love." That's that's kind of our spiritual mm-hmm. identification bracelet. People know that. That Christians are motivated by love. That's what what drives us. And so, um, as some leave the religion and, and embrace Christ, and they're reading the Bible, their the countenance changes. You know, Ephesians mm-hmm. five talks about the the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. Against such things there is no law. It just happens. When the person becomes a Jesus follower and the Holy Spirit changes their life, you can see it on their face. And oftentimes, they're caught by family members saying, you seem different. You, you seem lighthearted. You seem like you don't have burdens on your shoulders. You seem happy. Well, what's the matter with you? <laughs> what's happened? You know, you think that might tell them something, but but it often doesn't. They're, they're able to identify something's changed just on their very countenance. Amazing. And uh, this this is sort of a off, off-the-cuff comment here, or a question here, but um, just from a personal uh, perspective, I, I have a great interest in, in apparitions and this sort of thing. And would you say that the uh, majority of the visions experienced by uh, the people seeing Christ were they seeing them as they slept, or as they daydreamed, or were they seeing sort of mm. a, a corporeal, bodily vision yeah, of Jesus yeah. they were awake? Yeah, I mean, the difference, a dream or a vision, uh, many, I would say probably the majority had dreams. But um, th- there are hardened terrorists, Michael, that were going to kill someone, and all of a sudden saw Jesus standing in the road saying, stop. You're not going to do this. 
uh-huh. in the middle of broad daylight, they've seen him. So, um, wow, uh, a, a, a person that became a believer in Syria was going to pick his child up one day. He was already a believer. He came out of the Alawite faith, which is a split off from Islam. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> he was walking down the hall, and he said that Jesus stood in front of him and said, there's a bomb, and there are men coming to kill you. You need to leave. Mm. And he went that's in the a, door. That's a, good, grabbed, that's a good tip, yeah. <laughs> that's it. They grabbed his children, went out the door, and he said as he, as the back door shut, as he was running to his car mm. to get away, he heard the guns firing mm. already. So, you know, yeah, we, we see both. We see both. But I would say probably most stories we've heard were the dreams. Okay. Yeah, I was, just, I was just curious on that point. Um now, it is such a big deal when uh, a Muslim is going to uh, make that step and convert away from Islam, <clears throat> punishable <throat> by death or dismemberment in many <clears throat> communities there. What, what were the people that you, uh, you had dealt with or you had talked with, what was their next step after they had had this vision and realized yeah. they wanted to follow Christ? Did they make an attempt to leave the country, or did they did they want to live in the same country? Uh, did they want to balance their mm-hmm. Islamic faith and their new Christian perspective? How did they, how did they make yeah. it work? Uh, good, good, good question. I think many of them, it was so profound and so life-altering, a game-changer for them spiritually, that they wanted to stay and reach others, and privately, one-on-one, tell others about what's happening now in Syria right now, and you know about the horrific war, greatest humanitarian crisis in the last 30 years in Syria right now with this war, over 100,000 dead. Mm -hmm. Um, Many Christians have left the country, but but many that have had these dreams and these supernatural experiences, encounters, and are walking with Jesus now, have decided to stay, and they understand that this may be this may mean that they're going to die there. In fact, we work with 20 leaders that have said they realize probably the end result is they're going to die. Mm. Um, that's just a foregone conclusion. But they feel like they cannot leave. They have a responsibility to stay there and and bring the truth out into the light. So some do flee, uh, that's for sure. Uh, others stay because they believe they have a mission and they have something to tell. So uh, it's it's difficult. I mean, think about this. If you, I, I think about my family. If we had the six little kids under 10 years old, could I have stayed in sure. Syria right now? If I came out of Islam and became a Christian, what, wow. I mean, that's that's quite a commitment when you think about it. That, that's really putting Jesus above everything. Absolutely. That's... Uh... An incredible faith uh, has to be there to, to stay and spread the gospel. Um, for those joining the program, you're listening to the Miracle Hunter radio show. This is Michael O'Neill. I'm talking with Tom Doyle, author of Dreams and Visions, Is Jesus Awakening the Muslim World? And uh, Tom, tell us a little bit about uh, your ministry and your travels to the Middle East. Are you, are you still making frequent trips there, or, or what's, what's, what, how does that work in your life? Yeah, we do. We, we do a lot of uh, Bible tours uh, to the Middle East, you know, um, Israel, Jordan, Egypt, the land of the Bible, and so we love people to be able to open the book, to connect with Christians there, 
Uh, you know, there's a very old Christian community there. That's where the church started, and uh, many of them feel forgotten because of the strength of Islam, the threat of, you know, the jihadists, that possibly they might be killed. And so we do. We do uh, Bible tours. We also do humanitarian uh, outreaches with people, medical clinics, things like that, to just bring Jesus to them. Um, many have believe wrongly about Jesus. We want them to know who he really is. Many, um, well, we would have this in America. Many people believe that every Muslim, if they live in America, is a terrorist mm-hmm. because they watch the news. And when you mm-hmm. think about it, whether it's Fox or CNN or MSNBC, those are entertainment based and, and they obviously want an audience, you know, to, to be watching them. Terrorism, when there is a terrorist attack, people tune in. I'm not minimizing that. That's a very real problem there. But if you get an endless string of stories like that, Michael, you, you, you end up, it starts to close your mind to the fact that these people could even be human beings, that sure. all of them aren't cold-blooded killers. And, and so we had to realize that as we went into places like the Gaza Strip or Iraq or Afghanistan, that these were people... And the majority even didn't want to kill others. In fact, we know this, that more Muslims since 9-11 have become Christians than in the last 14 centuries of Islam. <laughs> wow. That's, so it was a dividing a, line, if you, yeah, if you will. Do, do yeah. I want to do this? Is that a good Muslim? Do I have to go kill people? Most of them, they do not want to do that. Amazing. Now, um, you you wrote the book, it was published in 2012, I believe, and so mm-hmm. you continued with your work in the Middle East. Have you uh, heard uh, more stories uh, than the ones contained in your book? I, I, I assume that you would be the, a person to contact if, uh, if people had these stories. Have, have any plans on writing a, a sequel, for example, or have you? Well, you know, you... As, as a matter of fact, back, thank you. Hey, are you my agent over there or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, actually, uh, we're getting more and more stories, and and uh, the publisher Thomas Nelson, uh, I thought of calling it Divine Intervention because it's God entering their world. But they said just name it Dreams and Visions. That's what it really is, and and so we did, and and now we have a Dreams and Visions. Uh, website on Facebook, and people are sending in their stories and and oh, that. And so we actually, yeah. So we actually are are working on a book now on persecution, uh-huh. on Christian persecution, and it's called "Killing Christians: mm. Ten Messages from Persecuted Christians to You." So, so what did that that young man that served in a prison in Iran learn when he had nothing? He didn't have a Bible. It was just he was just communicating with Jesus, and that was it. What did he learn? How did he get through that? Those are the stories we're writing about. Most of those people in the book, they all came to to faith in Christ initially through a dream. That was what started their journey to the cross to become a true Christian. So, so we're working on that now. Good. But, it sounds like it, it'll be a good, powerful witness. Uh, many people here uh, take their faith uh, for granted, for example, and you know they they toss it away like it's not important, but to read stories where people are giving up their lives uh, for their faith, uh, that'll be inspiring. So. And, and you know what I think, Michael, is especially gratifying to me is just to see the unity of the Church in difficult places. They're not, they're not checking out everybody's theology, what do you believe on this, or this, or this. Uh, they, they, they realize they're incredibly outnumbered, 
and there there's a fire underneath them that could just fan into an all-out flame at any time, and they are together. They respect each other's faith. They are they are pursuing Jesus with their whole heart and wanting to bring him to uh, other people in a in a difficult situation. So um, we we heard of a woman in Tehran that um, had so many Jesus dreams. She was eighty five years old and she was a widow and she kept having dreams about Jesus. Well, she's a Muslim. She doesn't know a Christian, Michael. She doesn't know where to go. And wow. she got on the television and uh, internet. You know, cable is 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 not legal in Iran, but people hot wire and get it illegally mm-hmm. and, and that. And, and there was the Jesus film that was on, a film about Jesus. Uh-huh. And as she watched this video, he, the Jesus in the film was the same Jesus in her dream. Uh-huh. Wow. And, and at the end, it, it says, uh, it, you know, Jesus rise from the dead. It says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and, you know, have a meal with him. And she took that literally and thought, does that mean Jesus is at my door? She walked over to the door, opened the door. How, did, how is Jesus going to respond to that childlike faith? He responded. There was a bright light, spoke mm-hmm. to her in a voice, and all through that, it ends up that she becomes a Jesus follower. So Amazing. Now, some great stories there, and I think people will enjoy reading your book. Why don't you tell everybody how they can get, uh, where they can find the book? Okay, great. Thank you. It's called Dreams and Visions. Is Jesus Awakening the Muslim World? And you can go to Christian Books. Uh, you can go to Amazon, really any bookstore, Barnes & Noble, where books are sold. Uh, they'll have it. You can get it on audio. Uh, it's in German now. It's in Norwegian. It's going to be in Farsi for the Iranians, Arabic. Okay. Uh, it's kind of going into different parts of the world. So if you want to be inspired in your faith, if you're feeling lax, if you're thinking, wow, God, do you really care about me? Read this book and see his involvement in the lives of people today that for the most part, most people are ignoring and either are afraid of them or they don't know what to do with them. But Jesus is reaching out to them. Good. Well, thank you so much for making the time to uh, join us today. Um, and we look forward to reading your, your next work and that and this book itself. So thanks very much, Tom. Michael, thank you. Call me sometime when I'm out in the Middle East. Let's do an interview from there. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Thank this you. Has been, God bless uh, you. God bless you. This has been Tom Doyle, the author of Dreams and Visions, Is Jesus Awakening the Muslim World? Um, We appreciate him joining us on the show today. And that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank our guest author, Tom Doyle, author of Dreams and Visions, Is Jesus Awakening the Muslim World, for joining us on the show. And be sure to visit MiracleHunter.com as your resource for miracles, and keep up to date with how Our Lady is honored around the world at 365dayswithmary.com. Thank you for joining me on Miracle Hunter, where it doesn't matter if you are a believer or a skeptic, it's always worth the hunt. You're tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Miracle Hunter with Michael O'Neill.